Hello and welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I'm your host Jesse and with me today is another returning guest and the writer of a new solar punk novel that he's currently funding on Kickstarter called The Tower Through the Trees. It's Sean Dillon. Hello. Sean, before before we dive into just any anything, what, give, give me the elevator pitch for the Kickstarter and the novel itself. Uh, the Kickstarter, uh, the, for the novel, it's rather straightforward. Early, uh, it's a history book about the death of the last city. It's very much, it's very much a wander through a text. Uh, uh, probably the best structural example I can come up with is uh, probably closest to From Hell, but not as good because oh god, I, this is literally my first novel, and oh dear god, uh, From Hell is amazing. Yeah, I I, I think of that. Um... Alan Moore novel that I always pass by but I don't pick up is it oh, what's it called um is it called Nazareth I don't think it's called Nazareth is it or Jerusalem uh, uh, yeah Jerusalem oh god Jerusalem yeah I, I mean I I like Alan Moore but I don't know if I like Alan Moore in a novel sense so like when I uh, when I read the I've back read, yeah yeah I've read Jerusalem it's it's a lot yeah it's like um it's very much an exploration of a small town community this is more of a wander through city like like when you're when it's pitch black and you're you've just gone out of a pub crawl and you're trying to find your way home but you don't really know the direction it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like that is it uh is it a story that's told narratively kind of like uh, I, I always forget <laughs> stream of consciousness of someone actually exploring the city or is it like a historical like here's the fact by fact type thing a um, mix of both it's a half the book is sort of is a following a single character by the name of Billy mm-hmm. he who inexplicably is the person who ends up killing the city this isn't so much a spoiler it's very much something that's established within I believe the first couple of chapters and the other half is various found documents in detailing the lives of the city. Uh, one's a poem about, about police brutality. Another is a short story written by someone. A third is a written account of a performance art piece gone horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, there's some snippets and graffiti. And yeah. It, it sounds super fascinating and not too always compare things to other things but i feel like that's what we do and when we just try yeah. to like make sense of something but it's in the sense of like american gods is telling that one narrative but every so often he'll have the secondary chapter or the backup chapter in between like the main chapters of exploring that world just a bit more and kind of giving context for where everybody is yeah there are some parts that i'd say it's more the it yeah you know, gets served just it might be more accurate to say it's a short story collection at times, mm-hmm. but it's generally he focused on this one character or trying to find his way through the city, trying to find a meaning for his own existence. And the problem is there's not a lot of information on the guy. And I don't think I've ever read a solar punk novel. What, what technically is that genre? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah. From what I gathered, it's very much, post-apocalypse but not miserable well uh it's the assumption that life as we know it yeah the it's very much me doing a book where it's 
It's what happens after the fall all of civilization as we know it. What happens when capitalism dies and everything that and we have to make up with the rubble. Uh, with the the specific reason why I chose Soropunk was actually I was inspired to write the novel by an article written by a critic by the name of Sam Keeper, mm-hmm. who who she she wrote this massive she wrote this article that I really liked about about the genre that noted that there it basically wasn't doing that well a lot of it was just a it very nebulous and non-defined and she offered a solution by throwing in cryptids you know like a a bigfoot a, the sat bigfoot uh chupacabra a various mythological mythological creatures from that uh, are supposedly are walking around the world those are established as part of the world and it just got my brain in rolling with the premise yeah so oh well one of the things that happens in the happens before the events of the book but is talked about within the book something happened uh, something happens and basically a lot of the thing the stories we told throughout our lifetime end up becoming true so oh there's there's fiction, fictional characters can sometimes pop up in the streets, though I made sure not to pick any of the copyrighted ones or imply copyrighted ones. Yeah, you don't want big yeah. corporations that uh, right. come knocking at your door. Yeah, there is there is one that I might be scaring the edge, but I'm pretty sure it's public domain. And, but it's a spoiler, so I won't go into it. I mean, it, it. Who knows? It could be a Sherlock Holmes situation where they cut, they say half of it's copyright, don't, and the other half isn't. It's still public domain. Mm-hmm. Ah, copyright law so stupid. Any- <laughs> yeah, especially American copyright law. Yeah, um, but so so you were talking about beforehand that like the whole novel's on your blog and people can read it if they want to now, but you're doing this Kickstarter to get like more like people like professional editing done on it to make sure like it looks nice. Yeah, yeah, it's copies. Very, and yeah. Stuff I like think that. the best, yeah, the ki- best comparison is sort of like uh, web comics do this all the time, where they'll have, well, the where they'll have the books, their books edited slightly. Ed- they'll run a Kickstarter for a physical copy of the book as well as ads to it. Uh, it's uh, it's actually, you know, if there's something that you missed early on uh, that needs to be refurbished, but this is probably gonna be a larger overhaul with the text because there are part. I wrote this in 2017, and mm. there are parts of it that I'm not happy with. It's some implications I put in there I didn't realize until reading it to get ready, reading it for while it was stri- while it was being posted onto the blog. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. No. As someone who self-published uh, before he was too well read or too well awake of uh, situation social situations and such. Um, I remember rereading like my first short story collection and I'm like, man, I act like not consciously, just subconsciously. Cause just like, it's drilled into us sometimes like certain tropes and certain things that are, are really bad and tacky. I'm like, man, a lot of the people that die in this book are women and that's not good. <laughs> like that's not yeah. a good thing that I did. And I didn't mean to do it, but it's one of those things we're going back to. And I'm like, now I know better. And it's like, Ooh, I don't know if I would feel comfortable with everybody reading this, but now it's out in the open. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, so I get that. I get that. Like seeing pieces written like three years ago now, and going, "Ooh, that needs to be changed." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 
And the cool thing about your Kickstarter is uh, I didn't have I didn't have enough funds or the idea to do this, but if I do get enough funds and an idea before the end of the Kickstarter, I might change my pledge. But you're doing short critiques and uh, essays for higher backers and that's i think that's uh extremely nice uh thing that for you to be doing for the kickstarter yeah it's very well it's not just essays it's also i will also take fiction commissions if you want me to do a short story based off of an idea you have and i and i and i think that's something i've never like maybe i haven't explored enough writing uh kickstarters but like that's never something i've seen before and i'm like ooh, that's a smart idea for someone who just has ideas but doesn't know how to get them on paper yeah, it's yeah. You know, I pretty much had some issues where yeah. I don't. I'm I'm freely aware that I am very much a new author in the medium. Yeah, um, I have some of a following, but not I not big fault. I don't have a huge following. Like I'm very niche. I'll freely admit. So if yeah. someone wants to uh, have their have me look at something, by all means, or or you know. Yeah, I don't really have made much in terms of backlog to offer people as a war. Yeah. And um my the one I the one I backed was uh the one that gets the one must imagine Scott Free Happy, which we've already talked about that on the, the first podcast you're on, which is a great collection of essays about Mr. Miracle. And it's so nice too that you have both of those as a physical tier too. And I, I just feel like out of the last few Kickstarters that I've backed and stuff, this is one of the ones that has like the best rewards at the best tiers. Mm-hmm. And um, how did you come up like the way that you were going to tier the system on that? Well, I was learning my lessons from my previous Kickstarter with One Must Imagine Scott Free Happy. Uh, two things I learned from that was one, don't, whatever you do, do not do, do the friggin' do not do autograph copies of it because the, because there are a lot of shipping costs because Amazon changed their shipping rules. So yeah, there are shipping costs now. And two, it's, you should probably be a bit more specific with it. Uh, for the almost imagine Scott free happy Kickstarter. I did it a, uh, I talked to, I said, did based off of the material I would be covering rather mm-hmm. than the length of the commission. And, and a lot of people got a bit confused about my wording. Yeah. Uh, so I pretty much just structured it based off of how long the commission was up. I'm going to pull up the Kickstarter right now, if you don't mind. Yeah, don't, don't take your time. So for uh, 30 bucks, you get a physical copy. For all the commission tiers, you get a physical copy of the book. Mm-hmm. But, but 30 bucks, you get a thousand word commission. This is a short piece that like probably get a short or essay on, on something of your choice. Uh, uh, $50, you get a 2,000 word commission. This is the typical length of commissions that I usually do. Uh, 100 bucks gets you a 5,000 word commission, which is slightly longer than I normally do. And for 150 bucks, you get a blog project, which is a multi-part look at something of your choice. It can be a theme or it can be a question or it could be a character or it could be a short story. I, I'm actually re- currently writing a sh- a short story I was commissioned for, commissioned outside of the Kickstarter, or before it even started, is on my blog right now. Uh, uh, the short story is called "Being Part Broken Hearted." Uh, the base pitch of it was do a crossover between st- where Rose Quartz from Steven Universe meets Death from Discworld. 
Oh, wow. So like it, it, it could be like, like when you say short story commission, literally it's like anything. It was like, I have this weird, crazy cr- like crossover or concept yeah. of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. And for, and if you're willing to pay for the entirety of the book, I will do a commission on Homestuck. Yeah. I don't, I, part of me like, yeah. girl, like when, when I first learned about Homestuck, I'm like, man, I missed that completely. And like, I don't know if I regret missing that or if I am happy I missed that. Yeah, I I I read I did a chapter of Homestuck for or the one must imagine Scott Free Happy and mm-hmm. it's very it's neat. It's very niche and I was probably a bit rude to make it the fifteen hundred dollar one and that was probably rude of me to do that. Am, am I mistaken? Is one of the stretch goals on this, it might be on another Kickstarter or uh, Patreon that you're a part of, but is it one of the stretch goals to do the Heroes in Crisis essays? Oh, yeah, that's the first stretch goal. That's the two. Th- uh, the main goal is $1,500. Uh, I'll go through the stretch goals. I haven't yeah. actually had a chance to talk about them because I wanted to wait until we were pro- like got to the two-thirds part before I did a thread on, on the various yeah, stretch sure. goals. Uh, uh, you don't have yeah, to for, reveal as, uh, anything that you don't want to reveal yet. I just remember uh, that. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go through the ones that we that I've already announced because there's three more that were very very unlikely. Yeah. But you know, I might as well up for if if the Kickstarter hits two hundred dollars, I will do a video essay exclusive to Kickstarter backers on the comic book series Here's in Crisis, which is. At once, extremely flawed and, and quite frankly, the most interesting comic event comic DC has released since Final Crisis. It is a book that I feel bad that I like so much because so many yeah. people hate it, but I can't yeah. help but like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah. And it's de- approach- you're right. It's definitely very flawed, though. Yeah, it's it's a hot mess, but. I respect it, and I, and I kind of wanted. I kind of came up with an idea for a video essay on it that can only be done as a video essay. Yeah, and no one is gonna figure out what my angle is on it. And it, uh, if you want, if people want this to be a public video, then they have to get the a Patreon of a person I follow by the name of Christine Kelly to get five hundred bucks a post, which. You should be following her work because she is very good at what she does. Uh, she's currently serializing in a Patreon-exclusive essay on the various Narnia books, which, oh man, her take is... She has a very interesting relationship with Lewis. I, I might need to back that myself uh, at another patron yeah, to my uh, growing list. Yeah, she largely does essays on Kate Bush, which are very delightful. Mm-hmm. And the one, the exclusive essays on her Patreon are some of the best writing on fiction I've seen. Like, my heart broke when I read her essay on The Shining. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. Yeah. Uh, the next goal is We'll Always Have Yesterday, which is another old thing that I've written. Uh, it's a short... It's So back in college, I had to do a final project for a class I was taking. And I decided to write a script based on following up an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. And uh, I think I've made a, the script of it. Uh, it's a very formalistic script that probably needs to be shorn up a bit because it's been a couple of years. 
Shakespeare's and I also it's it's very much a script written with the assumption that it's never going to be made into an actual comic so it goes way into detail about, about what the like yeah, I think the first panel has the Alan Moore pro, Alan Moore Watchmen first panel thing yeah okay that makes sense I, I get I get what you're saying about that just like too much detail for anybody to actually like right right work on <laughs> Uh, yeah, that and again, like me getting into Star Trek recently this year is like that's something that's super fascinating to me too. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I had, I, well, yeah, I was getting, uh, yeah, I got really into Star Trek back, back during the end of my college years, years, and TNG is highly underrated, like early TNG especially. Yeah, there's some really good episodes in that first season. Yeah, I'm excited to get to that. I started with Deep Space Nine on a friend's recommendation, and I'm almost done with that. Yeah, and then, and then I'm gonna just go all the way back to the original series and work my way up. Yeah, I have opinions on the later eras of Deep Space Nine. That's where I'm currently. I'm in the last uh, two seasons currently. Yeah, the last season is rough. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes because they're laying out some foundations. It is way off topic, but they're laying laying out some foundations that are gonna go to interesting places. It feels like. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so the the Kickstarter, how long late does it go for? I'm like, um, uh, New Year's. It New goes Year's, till okay. New Year's. Uh, there are more goals that I think are worth going into. Uh, uh, there are three goals on here for a project called Stephen the Stevens. Uh, this is a my next blog project, which is a massive look at the television show Stephen Universe, mm-hmm. which I've sort of been circling around for. A while, and I think basically every major project I've been doing has invoked Steven Universe at one point or another. Yeah. So this is a big project. Uh, the the tiers that they are for would be making sure that the book version of it gets published. So if it hits five thousand dollars, then it'll then you'll get volume one. Which to give you an idea of the scope of the project, volume Steven Universe doesn't pop up until the end of volume two. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, it's it's very. There's a lot to cover before we get into Steven Universe itself. So it's just like going into backgrounds and kind of like things that led up to the like to the idea of Steven Universe in a lot of ways. Uh, not quite. It's very much much me exploring texts that are similar to Steven Universe. Gotcha. Like very much less literal texts that are related to Steven Universe and more or thematically apt to talk about in the context of Steven Universe. So like Twin Peaks is get I'm going to do an episode by episode look at Twin Peaks for this Gotcha, part. gotcha. It, it's kind of like there is parts of Imagine Scott Free Happy where like the the comic itself is rarely mentioned while every but but the the te- the context of that essay or such is about things that relate thematically to the comic right, and help right. you understand it better. Yeah, I I get that. It's that's, that's right. cool. Yeah, and I, and I know you're working on a Hannibal uh, thing too. Is that for Kickstarter? Uh, that's part of Stephen and the Stevens. That gotcha. Uh, the Hannibal one is like sometimes I'll just pitch out, out essays on essay ideas on Twitter just to uh, see what see how people would react to them or just to see what they look like in the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, there's another one. Uh, uh, the ten thousand goal is probably something that would interest fans, and a massive, if multi-hour-long video essay called "Doomsday Clock is Garbage and Here's Why." Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one—that was the big one. Yeah, that's ten thousand dollars, and I would 
probably be tormenting myself with this one because, oh god, I have to write about Doomsday. I have to make a video essay about Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Like in that genre of video essay, which I'm on record of saying that there's never been a good one in the traditional version of that video essay yeah. format. Just they are all terrible for different reasons that that would be way too long and arduous to go in depth into. I, I think but, it was a retweet today that like, oh, I, I think F is for fake is what all video essayers are trying to do. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's very much F. Yeah, it's, yeah. But uh, the, the sheer awfulness of Doomsday Clock deserves the sneer of that title of video essay. Yeah. But the big one for me is the $13,000 and $18,000 stretch goal, which is the Marvel Tarot, which is a project I've been contemplating for years doing. Gotcha. What would be, what is the Marvel Tarot? Tarot. The Marvel Tarot would be a tarot deck based off of various characters from the Marvel Universe. Oh, okay. So, you know, the $13,000 would just get you the Major Arcana, uh, which is very, you know, most Marvel Tarot decks tend to focus on the mystical characters. Like, I think there was a, there was one that, an official one that was released a few years back, that just focused, that like, like, uh, that didn't have a that just focused on Scarlet Witch, Doctor Strange, those types, types. But for this one, I would focus on the entire Marvel universe. Uh, the only one that I have explicitly figured out is Spider Man, who is the who would be the tarot card for death. death which, oh, okay. I, yeah, the reasoning for this is the, in tarot, death doesn't so much represent and the ending, it's not even the last card in the deck, but rather it represents change. Moments, a moment where some, where everything you know has come to an end, and something new, and in turn, something new begins. This is very much core to the Spider-Man character, or as often, as you know, Spider-Man has no status quo. Yeah, he he basically nuked it in the Ditko era by graduating high school and going to college. He's been so many things over his life as a superhero from. Um, um, school teacher to college student to mad scientist to possessed by Doctor Octopus, this to whatever they're doing with, with Spencer's run. I have no. Well, I, well, I only read the first arc of Spencer's run, and where it left off was he lost his degree and he was taking classes in like a college basement. Yeah, I from what I'm gathering from Spencer's run, I think he's trying to do who revisit one more day by way of JMD Mateus, but. It's very much the kind of cover of J.M.D. Mateus that immediately goes to Peter David, mm. which is to say, it's not that great. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not bad. It's not interest. It's messy, but not for interesting reasons. Yeah, I, I kind of miss reading Spider-Man. Not that like I couldn't pick up the book if I wanted to right now, but I have no yeah. investment or interest in what's happening to pick up the book. But I do miss the character. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. There's, a, I just want Al Ewing or Steve Orlando or help Die Cates to take over the book. Uh, all three of them would give vastly different ideas, and some of them probably not the best. Um, yeah. Some of them fantastic, and some of them really weird. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I would love just someone who's willing to take a risk with a character to take over. Yeah, I think. Yeah, the problem with Spider Man is. 
you could tell that he's the kind of, he's very much a character he has a superman problem you know yeah so yeah they, no, i get you that where super superman is largely stuck in this one version of of who superman is defined in the 80s or spider-man is defined by who he was in the 90s yeah and both which is to say both of them are defined by john byrne which is a terrible thing to be defined by <laughs> yeah no i i get that yeah and the idea of Spider-Man just like, just breaking out of the mold that feels like he's been in for such a long time would be nice just because yeah. reading reading good runs within that that mold and reading um old good older runs before the 90s is like th- there there's a charm to Spider-Man that no other character really has I feel like yeah. and it just I would love to see that back yeah the yeah the main issue with the uh the dance lot era is that it's very much a run that should have ended way earlier than it did. It's a very long run, yeah. Yeah, like no one should have. I think it was close to a decade. It wasn't it like three hundred issues or something like that. Might have been. I it was. It was. Yeah, but it was like the longest one anybody's ever had on a book. It feels like. Yeah, I think Inky's written at least a third of it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's insane, and and a lot of that too was written like when he first took over. It was written like four times a month it was every week it was a weekly book yeah but yeah but he was co-writing it with other people yeah it just it just seems like it's a crazy that's a crazy amount of books for him to just work on yeah and especially given the documentary that just came that came out a few a month back yeah um so the writing of this back in 2017 for you like how one, how was the from what you remember? How was the process writing on the blog back then? But two, how do you think your writing process has changed, like, in more recent things? Well, I well back in twenty seventeen. Well, it wasn't serialized on the blog back in twenty seventeen. I was writing it as a side, as something to do while I was working on my main project at the time, uh, Fearful Symmetry, which was speak of Spider Man, a look at JMD Mateus's Craven's Last Hunt. Gotcha. And where I just spent the majority of that at one going into various 80s ephemera. So oh, the last issue of Watchmen, the first phase of Zenith, um, let me think about it. Uh, the Black Month, the 1987 financial crash. Uh, I'm pretty sure there was an episode of Transformers in there, mm-hmm. there that probably that I mixed up with another episode of Transformers. There's, uh, also, also, Joseph Campbell died in that period. Huh. Yeah. So I pretty much did, did that. Um, uh, had some had a lot of fun with that project, but it's very it's a very messy project. Mm-hmm. But uh, with with uh with Tower Through the Trees, I basically I was largely inspired by what was going on in my life at the time. Like like I have one chapter has a sequence where er, a character who is heavily implied to be myself. Elf has a dream where he meets, eats his old boss and has a conversation with that person and based off of an actual conversation I had. Yeah. And I kept the, I, you know, so it's half remembered details, details of a conversation that was, that was a, that was a, that just happened and recently. The, uh, another one was sort of just me walking through, through my hometown and just writing and just rewriting it as sort of a post post collapse apps world was that look like um some of it was some of it was written in one sitting uh 
I feel like I'd probably be able to write longer in my more recent phase. Like, I could, I could do, I don't know. Like, when I was starting out, I was having difficulties actually writing the books. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'd, I'd write 500 words and then I'd have to stop. Up and to give an idea for readers, 500 words is about a page. Yeah. Like three or four par four or five paragraphs. F. So I'd be writing, and I, I think I'm a faster writer, and I'm also a bit, I think I'm also a bit more keen on, my, on what I miss is when I revisit it. it, instead of just having to use other people as my handicap. Yeah, no, like uh, the the older I get and the more I have time to write, which seems to be I lose more time nowadays than I used to. But it does seem like now when I sit down to write, like I can write faster, and I think that's a nice, slowly skill to be building up when I'm m me personally trying to work up to a novel. And um, it's exciting to see someone who uh, I have now started to look up to, like you reading. One must, must imagine Scott Free Happy. I'm I'm reading this. I'm like, why can't I find the words to do something like this um it, it's fun and exciting to see you put out a novel even though it, it's something you wrote in the past it's just fun to see you put that out and be like i this is someone i look up to now doing something cool yeah it's it's a, it's a lot of work and sometimes yeah. you just look at your work and go oh god what have i done like when i was going through the ed's for one must imagine scott free happy i was just going Oh my God! Why did I write it like this? It's oh God! I, I oh God! I didn't mean to write like that. At, at wow! I really do Orion dirty. Yeah, I really should probably even clarify what I'm saying about Orion, so I don't don't argue that he is literally a fucking Nazi and some of the <laughs> implications of that of that story, especially with Orion's backstory, which yeah. are kind of fucky. Yeah, and, and like the re revising anything is always kind of like looking at the one a mess you made, but also at the same time trying to find out like how much of this personal thing that you've been cultivating you have to kill off now. Yeah, and I feel like both those aspects of revising your own work is is just hard. It's hard. It's hard to get through, and it's hard to sit down and force yourself to like examine hard, hard examine the things that you create. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a few questions I wrote down that I kind of want to pick your brain on and kind of dissect. And one of them is, again, about your writing again, but uh, it's about favorite pieces of writing. And I know with some writers and some people who just create things in general, they don't have a favorite thing. Either the new thing is their favorite thing or they feel like they're never good enough to have a favorite thing. But I'm just curious, do you have a favorite piece of writing of, your, of yours that you've made and why it would be your favorite? I have a couple, actually. Uh, uh, I think the work I've been doing with Panel X Panel recently has been very good. Uh, I especially feel like the one I did for the Judge Dredd article. Oh, uh, Dream On Creep, I think is what they ultimately called it. Yeah. It, uh, uh, I feel that's, that's me grappling with a lot of ideas I've been having to deal with for a while. Just mm -hmm. I've it's one of those articles where you just realize where you can finally express something you've been thinking for a while. Um, there's an article in there, uh, the appendices article in one must imagine Scott free, happy, my own utopia, which is on the Omega men and, and science and utopias at war, which I found 
yeah, I felt like that was vi- that was another one that I just when I was writing it, I just went, oh my god, this is so great. I'm yes, I'm doing great. And when I read back at it, I think yes, this is fucking amazing. Oh my god, how I write this. Uh, from um uh from the uh the tower through the trees, I think think the uh there's the po a poem in there called Worst Man Rise, which I basically steal the structure from an Elizabeth Bishop poem mm-hmm. um, whose name, I think it has a very long name. E- each line, you start with, w- the first stanza is one line, the second stanza is two lines, and they repeat each but with a slight difference. Yeah. And so that's the structure of it, and I really like it, especially how I turn it around in the final stanza. I just the the sheer turn I have have there is I, I really like that one. Um uh there's um sorry, I'm I was thinking about Oh, it, it's fine. Yes. I blank on oh. when someone asks me a question all the time. Uh I really like the Department of Truth article I wrote for uh for what's the website? Uh, uh it's on the tip of my tongue. It's, I'm usually bear with this and I am uh uh I wrote I wrote an article on the Department of Truth for um for Comfort Food Comics. I, oh, okay. Yeah, like it's basically me going me creating a conspiracy theory that Grant Morrison uh, tried to gave Donald Trump COVID. <laughs> Honestly, if anybody could pull it off, it's probably Grant. Um, yeah, and then there's also the other article I wrote for Comfort Food Comics. Uh, uh it's in the trees, which I co-wrote with Ritesh Babu. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that um, is always exciting too when you two collaborate because, like, out of everybody I follow that is critique writers or uh, just really picks apart the comics and movies and stuff, you two always have some of the best takes, and it's always fun to watch you bounce off of each other live <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, you should see the DMs. Yeah. And, um, that kind of moves into actually the the next question I had too is like we see daily and sometimes hourly uh, if we're talking about today or this week in general that comics kind of shift and grow at a rapid pace and like things either get better or they get worse but they don't tend to keep on those paths they tend to either go one way or the other and then flip back and go the other way (laughs) um Mm -hmm. Same could be said for life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, comics are very much like life, which that's a good thing or bad thing. But uh, as you, as a critic, though, is do you feel like it's getting easier or harder for you to critique comics or series or just things like that in general? Well, it's very much a thing of practice. The more you do something, the easier it gets. So it's a lot. So I'm not sure if the environment is allowing me to be to approach these easier than I was back in 2017, but the experience I've had certainly has. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always curious when things are good, like how, how hard it is to critique something that's good. I mean, nothing is ever perfect. There's always something wrong or there's always something to at least be discussed, but I always wonder when like something like Immortal Hulk, like that everybody, I haven't read it myself personally. Yeah. I know that's a thing that I need to get on, but like, I know everybody loves that book. Oh man. It's like, it's like, can you critique something that's so universally loved? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm just curious when it comes to like the positives like that, like how do you go about critiquing and examining? 
Uh, well, I actually find writing about the positive stuff's easier than and the negative stuff. It's, in fact, writing about the negative stuff has actually gotten me into trouble with certain people who like to name search themselves. Ah, yes, the famous name search. Yep, I, I've seen it recently. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, surprisingly, I've not had Scott Hutt Snyder in my DMs. Um, yeah, like, and that, and that was disappointing too when I learned that he would do that for, for some bad reviews. It's like, I understand like why you're name searching, but it's, it's the instigating after you find it. Like, I get it. You want to see what people say about you. And I, I, I would do it too, probably if I was a writer, but I would not be going underneath going, Hey, I'm here now. Say it to my face. Yeah. Like that's, that's the crossing the line part. Like that's the part where you're like, Hey, you yeah. no one asked for you to do this <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but uh, actually writing writing negative pieces is actually difficult for me i you know it just feels like i'm just saying this is bad and the reason why are very obvious yeah whereas with positive stuff i can go into why it works works the art how the art fun relates to the to the images how the layering structure something uh there's an article I wrote recently where there I was comparing two works that I feel you know, it's not out yet. It's probably be out, I think, January. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to go into specifics. Uh, two works approach have a similar structure where they'll have a moment of horror followed by a single page splash of with just a word on it. And I contrast how they approach that differently. Uh, one has the word in a jagged word balloon. Mm -hmm. with the text in a different color than usual like it's red text and it's x whereas the other one is a black and white comic so it so instead of having a word balloon it looks as if the page itself has been ripped has been punched in the gut uh, with the word stuck in the middle and uh which uh which uh is this going to be on your blog or is this going to be on uh this is a panel x panel article gotcha okay yeah, and anybody who isn't reading Panel X Panel should really read Panel X Panel because I feel oh, like yeah. that's just chock full of... If you love comic essays and comic critiques and stuff, I feel like that's a yeah. good place to begin a lot of that. And they take submissions and they pay very fairly. So, you know, like, start. I recommend starting out small. Like, they do top five. They have a top five feature that they... It, where you just write 100 words on five things that you like in comics. Like, like uh, one was uh, writing teams. Another is is uh spider-man arcs arcs and so if you have five things you like five five examples of a common theme in within comics it's just submit that to haas haas and yeah and it's it's one of those things too where i hope because it feels like comic critique gets kind of thrown to the side a lot in a lot of the bigger publications because like especially like nowadays it feels like a lot of the bigger publications aren't even posting comic book stuff to begin with they're just posting yeah. stuff to rile people up like gosh what was was it newsarama that just posted the things like is jaws a good movie yeah Oy. and it was like it was like like we get it we get what you're trying to do here but do you have to do this yeah, and then there's a yeah, CBR does that all the time. Yeah, CBR is probably CBR is probably worse, but like even like like most of the ones that used to be like highly respected like are now kind of going that way and it feels kind of frustrating and 
like you there's really no way to save it because like i get it those places need to pay the advertising space so the only way to pay the advertising space is to get those clicks into the space already so for yeah. places like panel x panel or adventures in, uh, in poor taste or uh other smaller blogs like that it or publications like that it's like it's really fun to see them still trying to do critiques the best they can yeah um and well my my final question the ones i wrote, wrote down uh but this isn't like the end of the discussion because I, I have another one I just uh, want to talk about too. But for you, do you ever see, I want, I hope you see yourself doing this because I would like, I'd love to see what it looks like, but do you ever see yourself writing Spider-Man? Yes. I have a lot of ideas for Spider-Man. How can we get you in the Marvel offices? <laughs> well, first you have to get me. Well, first I have to have a writing sample as a comic. So I need, Unfortunately, I can't draw for shit, so I yes. need someone. I need someone to work with me as an artist on the comic. It just doesn't have to be too long. I, I that's part of the reason why I have the will we'll always have yesterday tier on there, so that I can have a sample of my writing as comics. Yeah, picks up. Yeah, you know, okay. If I if we gel well, I could write enough. Hopefully, work together with the artist on other comics. Maybe more short form stuff. Maybe longer form. Form and or maybe some other artist who's interested in working with me. Um, then there, and then I from there I have to get pop, get experience within Marvel within various comic book companies. Uh, probably, uh, I think like a hmm, uh, 2000 AD might be might have open submission. I think 2000 AD has open submissions. Uh, probably probably do some short form comics. Do Maybe do comics through Vault or mm -hmm. other publication or Image or what have you. Put an anthology and, together and pub, get yeah. one of them to publish that for you. Yeah, work in you know, do an anthology comic, and then from there, from there, get keep getting noticed, keep getting hyped, get acclaimed comic, and maybe I'll be able to get onto do an ancillary Spider-Man title by the time by the time Nick Spencer leaves in twenty fifty one. You get to do a point one issue. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, the, those are sometimes the most fun and sometimes the most just annoying uh, things to read are the point one issues at Marvel. Um, but th th that is the thing, like like writing comics is always like an end goal for a lot of people, and yeah. I'm so fascinated by people's like game plans of getting there and it feels like you in particular like you like you you can do it you can get there just because you understand the medium so well yeah um uh then the next thing that i'm curious about is do you have another novel kind of planned out or set aside for when you're done with your big essay projects i mean i have several ideas for novels uh uh, I'm pr uh, one is I had this idea for one that sort of got tossed aside that you know I have vague ideas for novel rather than mm -hmm. specific ones when I'm doing specific ones that's why I have that's why I figure I'm gonna be doing this it's like right now I'm focusing more on short fic fiction rather than full-on novels I'll sort of just get get used to the form of of pro of writing fiction rather than in contrast to non-fiction yeah and yeah, a few anthologies here and there. Here that I'm apply that I've applied for. 
And for you, when you're writing fiction and nonfiction, like I know with any good writer worth their way, it's like, it's, it's indulging and researching through the medium itself or other versions of the medium for you, how much effort do you put into other like reading or uh, watching different things or even like listening to music or looking at art? Like how much time is spent doing that before you get to work on something? Uh, Depends on the project. For example, uh, for one, let's imagine Scott Free Happy, I'd spend an entire week doing the research before I started writing the article for each chapter. Mm-hmm. Or just, yeah, like I basically spent at the majority of the time of those, of the first, I, which took about six months to uh, fully, six to eight months, depending on how you count, because one of the chat, because the, there was a file coda essay, file appendix essay on the Omega Men, which I had to watch basically the majority of Deep Space Nine. Gotcha. I'm four, and yeah, it's. I also had to read Starship Troopers, which is quite frankly the worst book I've ever read. Um, it, it's and now I, I like I, I it's weird going on these tangents, but it's so fascinating because you say something and I'm like, oh yeah, that reminds me of this, and it's so fascinating to hear someone say that like, this is literally the worst thing I've ever read, or maybe the worst yeah. book ever invented. In my college creative yeah. writing class, my teacher opened up saying, like the worst book that has ever been written is The Da Vinci Code, and I will never read another mm-hmm. book by him. And I'm like, okay, that's how we're opening up this class. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, like it's just the prose is boring and it's it's just the majority of the book is spent on military nonsense that's just let's look at my guns sort of thing yeah thing where it it's just so dull and uninteresting and you you don't care about the characters the prose is turgid and boring and its politics are fucking evil yeah and i I'm curious because, like, have you like have you seen the movie too? Then, I love the movie. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, well, how's it? Like, how does that compare then? Because I know the movie is very kind of satirical in some ways. Where it yeah, the movie politics. Yeah, the movie recognizes that humanity is kind of fucking evil in this book, and they kind of just go with that perspective and like double down on it. Yeah, they just yeah, it's oh man. Well, Sean, like I'm, exu- I'm really excited to get the book in my hand because I just like mm-hmm. reading, and I'm excited <laughs> to get uh, one must magic sky free happy physically in my hand too because that was such a good collection of stories. Yeah, but the thing that's most exciting is the goals that this Kickstarter has and what can come out of it for you and for people who enjoy your work. Um, and so I'm excited to see it hopefully reach those goals, and hopefully people that listen to this will like check it out and at least uh read all the stuff that is attached in the, your your previous work to kind of get a feeling for it and hopefully yeah they will join me in uh supporting it and getting some of those great um rewards but uh where can people find your other work and where can they find you in general uh i can be found in general at death christ 2000 on twitter uh my writing is found on the king and red and blue doc blots the king and red and blue doc blogspot.com and on comic and i've begun writing reviews for comic book herald awesome and uh for this show uh there will be a post thing after that so that will put plug all my stuff because i feel weird doing that in the middle of an interview but uh uh 
seriously read all of sean's work if you can it'll be linked underneath all the social stuff for this when this gets posted it's some of the best critique work that you can read out there about comics if you love comics and the thing about it what's so fascinating about it too is yes it's about comics but there's so much other stuff he packs into everything and that's what's so exciting about it all yeah um sean thank you for being on here and talking to me about this again uh the kickstarter again goes until the end of the year please check it out and donate if you have the resources and it sounds interesting to you because i think it's really worth the effort right now and remember everybody especially during this time of year uh and not to like as uh chip Zdorowski said but it did not make it to the recording not to the bad people don't do this to the bad people who treat it as bad all year long but be kind to one another during this time and thank you guys for a wonderful year of the podcast this is probably gonna be the last one of the year but just thank you for listening and supporting the show and incidentally a very happy christmas to all of you at home yes and happy holidays to everybody who doesn't celebrate just enjoy time if you can with family if you can't social distance from them try to zoom with them etc i know how hard everything is so again hopefully this podcast gave you joy this year hopefully uh sean's work can give you joy at the end of the year please check it out and again just enjoy the holidays everybody you can find the comics matter podcast on twitter at uh comics matter pod you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash matter. You can email me at comicbooksmatter at gmail.com. Um, and if you have any questions for guests, any stories about how comic books impacted your life, or want to be a featured guest on the show, you can reach me out at all three of those social media platforms. The logo for the show is uh, by my friend Steven, and the theme of the show is done by David Zizetsi, and I got it on freemusicarchive.com. Uh, tell a friend about the show leave a review spread the word i would just love to have more people listening to the show and remember uh be kind to one another